Chapter four is documentation. So an introduction. Documentation of information about EMS calls serves several different purposes, and we'll talk about those purposes. The record of care provided is called a patient care report, abbreviated PCR. Again, a lot of people just report, refer to them as run reports. And thorough, accurate documentation is a critical EMT skill. You have to be able to accurately thoroughly document what happened on your call. So the different functions of a PCR, why do we write a PCR? The number one reason is for the continuity of care. So again, that's for the hospital staff, nurses, the physicians to refer to our report to see what, to understand what we saw when the patient first presented to us, and to know the treatments that we provided to the patient. Hopefully they're gonna continue those treatments uh, while the patient's in the hospital with them. For administrative uses as well, billing is gonna be a big one again for us to try to get reimbursed by uh, insurance agencies for our services. Can also be used for statistical information for future planning as well. We recognize that we're getting a bunch of 911 calls to a certain area of town where we don't have an ambulance anywhere close that could be used for planning where we need to put our new trucks at. Again, if we're seeing the presence of certain medical conditions that we're not used to treating, they croup is getting real bad early this year. They can pull those reports and possibly push out continuing education to the crew members that, hey, we're seeing a lot of croup. Here's what you need to know about proof. It's also a legal document. Patient may be a victim of a crime, protection in the event of a civil lawsuit as well. If we get subpoenaed to testify because we ran on a patient that was a victim of a crime, our run report is a lot, basically all we're gonna have to refer to about what happened or didn't happen during that call. Can also be used for education and research purposes. PCRs can be a rich source of data to allow research on many issues. And CQI, or continuous quality improvement, is an essential process in all EMS systems. Again, reading these reports, making sure that they were accurately documented, making sure that the providers were treating the patient appropriately, following the appropriate protocol. So all, document, all documentation must be careful and thorough in your documentation. And there are differences depending on where you're working on. There may be paper forms that you just fill out and handwrite. There's been big pushes in vast majority of EMS services. These days though, use electronic PCRs or ePCRs. Every agency in this region uses ePCRs. So you're gonna do a digital care report. You as students, y'all document your patient contacts in platinum through a ePCR type of format. And there are several different types and brands, companies that generate or make these ePCRs. You just need to be familiar with whatever your service uses. 
So collection of data and PCRs. There's two basic rules when we're dealing with documentation. First one, if it wasn't written down, it wasn't done. Meaning if we did a treatment but didn't document it for all intents and purposes, we didn't perform that skill. So again, we have nothing to back up or to prove that we actually performed that skill if we did not document it. So again, we have to make sure we're documenting everything that we do. And also, if it wasn't done, don't write it down. Don't falsify or lie on your documentation. If we had a patient that was unresponsive and we forgot to get a blood sugar, we realize that after the fact that we screwed up and we're going to get in trouble for not getting a blood sugar on this patient, don't lie on your documentation. Say we did something that we didn't do. That's going to cause more harm than good. And just like with all these presidential scandals, Watergate, so forth, the cover-up is going to be worse than the actual crime. They're going to forgive you for forgetting to get a blood sugar on that unconscious patient. What they're not going to forgive you for is lying on a run report. You will get fired lose your certification possibly if you falsify medical records. USDOT minimal data sets. This was established by the US Department of Transportation. This is stuff that has to be documented on every single patient report. Collection of standardized information. This allows for meaningful comparison and analysis for the improvement of EMS care nationally. So again, this minimum data set is stuff that we have to document on every single patient run. And if you have EPCRs, this is automatically going to be built into the software. You have to fill it out or it's not going to let you complete your report. Patient information on the minimum data sheet, things about the patient that we have to document, we have to document the chief complaint. What was the patient's Reason for calling EMS, their chief complaint, chest pain, trouble breathing. We have to document the level of responsiveness. Were they alert, unresponsive, somewhere in between? Vital signs have to be documented on patients. Those vital signs include blood pressure, skin perfusion, or their skin signs, color, temperature, and condition of the skin. Pulse rate, respiratory rate, and we also have to document patient demographics, name, date of birth, gender, um, ethnicity oftentimes is going to be documented as well. The state requires us for any patient that we transport, we have to document at least two sets of vital signs, our initial set and then one, one set once we get them to the hospital. Refusals, oftentimes we only have one set, but if we transport, we need at least two. There's also administrative information on that minimum data set that has to be reported as well. And that's primarily going to be time. All of our time. The time the incident was reported. What time did that caller dial 911? And these are going to have to be in your run report. The time the EMS unit was notified. When did dispatch send us to that call? When did they set our pagers off? Time of arrival at the patient. When did the truck get on scene? When did the truck leave the scene? Either cleared the call or transported the patient. The time that we got to the hospital or the receiving destination. 
and the time that we handed off care to somebody else. Again, all those times have to be documented in your report. Depending on where you work, it's going to be depending on how you get those times. Many services, you have to call dispatch and get these times from your dispatcher. UMC EMS or Lubbock County EMS, all the agencies in Lubbock County, they have this, they have our EPCRs connected to the dispatch software. So this automatically fills, auto-populates in our reports for it. And anytime we're dealing with times, it is important that we're using accurate and synchronized clocks. The clock that dispatch has, the clocks that are in our vehicle, and whatever type of timekeeping device that we use, our watches, must all agree with one another. They need to be as close together as possible. And this is needed for accurate documentation of medical care. If our watch is off five minutes or so from our dispatch clock, our times are going to get messed up and we're not giving accurate time. And this is needed again for administrative and legal purposes. Again, the accurate clocks, this is typically why these those major times that we just previously talked about, we get that information from dispatch to ensure those are 100% accurate. Uh, other times, like anytime you do a skill or take vital signs, we have to record those times as well. We don't get that information from dispatch. We typically just use our watches in that case. Again, that's why it's important that they're as close as possible to our dispatch clocks. PCRs usually have these sections, parts of the run report. One of it's going to be that administrative information. Again, times, location of the calls, things along those lines. Then there's going to be a patient demographic, other data, where we talk about the patient, name, date of birth, sex, gender, or same uh, demographics, their home address, insurance information, so forth. Section for vital signs. Often narrative section where we, in our own words, we document what happened. And then a treatment section. Typically, it's a uh, drop down menu where we click the time and what skill we perform from a drop down menu of the treatments that we provided to the patient as well. So, our administrative information or our run data that's on these run reports things that needs to be reported. It's our EMS unit number, what truck were we on, the call number. Every run that we run has a number assigned to that. We have to make sure that we're listing all of the names and certification levels of the providers that are in the truck. And things like the address of the call location. Where will we dispatch? Two. Patient demographics, name, age, sex, race, date of birth, patient's home address, if we need to send them a bill or mail for whatever reason, we need to be able to have an address to get a hold of them, insurance and billing information, 
This needs to be documented as well again, so we can try to get reimbursed for our services. Location where the patient was found. Where did we find the patient? Were they in a public building like a restaurant? Were they in the middle of the street? Were they at a residence? If there was any care given to the patient or provided to the patient prior to our arrival, we need to document that as well. Was a bystander CPR being performed on a patient in cardiac arrest? Did the patient take aspirin prior to our arrival based on dispatch information or based on their own knowledge? All of that needs to be documented. Do we get like their in insurance information or is that like the hospital? Very dependent on where you work from, where you're working at. UMCMS, we typically don't ask as in the back of the truck, we typically do not ask for their insurance information. We get what we call face sheets from the hospital. Those face sheets have the patient information and oftentimes have that insurance already listed. Some services out there, that's part of your requirement is to ask for their insurance information. So again, it's just very dependent on where you work. Another question yep. for billing. Do we get reimbursements on billing or is that generally with the hospital? No, EMS gets reimbursed for their services as well through okay. insurance. So we we really want to take care about that documentation. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, the, how we document that again, well, I believe we'll talk about this up here as well. But if we write a poor report, insurances are going to deny our claim, and we're not going to be able to recoup any of our costs. So again, that's another reason then to document thoroughly is to make sure that we're getting reimbursed for our services. Vital signs, again, at least two sets are needed for every patient transport, an initial, and then once at the destination. When we're documenting the vital signs, we should document how the patient was positioned when we took those vital signs. Were they sitting up? Were they laying down? Were they walking around on scene? And again, with everything, we document time. Vital signs, treatments, we document a time attached to those vital signs as well. In the narrative section, these are generally considered the most important part of the PCR is our narrative. And they should tell the story, paint the picture of that EMS call. So whoever reads that EMS call, even though they weren't on the scene, should have a clear understanding of what happened on that call, how that patient presented, why we made the treatment decisions that we made, and so forth. And again, in a court of law, or not even law, if you're trying to defend your actions to your superiors, your narrative is either going to be your best friend, it's going to help justify what you did, why you did it, or it's going to be your worst enemy and hang you out to dry. So again, your documentation, especially your narrative, needs to be very well documented. In this narrative, information from the physical exam, pertinent scene information should all be documented as well. If we go on the scene and that there's drug paraphernalia laying around the house, that needs to be documented in our run report. It could be relevant to patients' medical problems. If the house is extremely messy and dirty, that probably needs to be documented as well. That could indicate that the patient's not capable of taking care of themselves. Includes the chief complaint, patient history, what we find during the physical exam, 
we can't use medical terms. We should use medical terms when writing the report. Make sure that we are using the appropriate medical terms and our spelling is good as well. Spelling is important. Those that have ever seen any type of trial, real life trial, one of the things that a defense witness is going to do is going to try to discredit the witness. The defense attorney is going to do is try to discredit the witness. For us, one way they can do that is by making us look like idiots. And if we can't spell or we have poor grammar or our run report doesn't make sense, we're just giving him that rope to hang us with. So again, your spelling is important. Good things about EPCRs. They all have spell check in it. Use spell check. Objective information is going to be documented, and you need to know what the difference between objective and subjective information. Objective information is verifiable or measurable. So it's things that we are seeing, hearing with our own eyes and ears. Your vital signs, those are all objective information. We can see that. Patient had a two-inch laceration on their forearm. That two-inch laceration is objective. We can see that. Subjective information, on the other hand, is based on perceptions or opinions. This is what the patient tells us. Patient's complaining of chest pain. We can't see anything wrong with the chest, so that complaint of pain is subjective information. Patient's nauseated. That's subjective information. Again, you need to know the difference between subjective and objective information. Pertinent negatives are signs and symptoms that are normally or might be expected with a certain type of complaint, but are with, but which are not found. So for example, patients having heart attacks typically present with chest pain. They can present with shortness of breath, nausea and vomiting, diaphoretic skin. So in this case, the patient's only complaining is chest pain, but denies trouble breathing, denies nausea and vomiting, skin is warm and dry. Those are all pertinent negatives. Something that oftentimes is there, but isn't there in this case. Those are pertinent negatives. Those have to be documented as well. The treatment section, we need to detail our treatment in chronological order. Again, with our treatments, times are going to be attached to them, so make sure that we are putting accurate times. If we gave aspirin before we gave nitro, make sure our run report reflects that. Again, each treatment should have a time documented with it as well. And for every treatment that we provide, not every, but most, we should document the patient's response to each treatment. Patients complaining of trouble breath with trouble breathing with O2 sats of 88% on room air. Treatments, we put the patient on high flow two non rebreather at 15 liters per minute. We need to document the response. Patients stated that the oxygen was helping them breathe. We noted their O2 sats rose from 88% to 95% on the non rebreather. Documenting oral statements in our narrative. Whenever possible, quote the patient or other source directly. Again, this is giving the reader a clearer picture of what the patient said. Chest pain. Patient stated that the pain felt like an elephant was sitting on their chest. That's what we need to document. We need to quote the patient in run report. Should utilize quotation marks, differentiate your words from the, somebody else's words, 
So again, patient stated, quotation marks, it feels like an elephant is sitting on my chest, in quotation marks. Example, patient sister stated that the patient was, quotation, acting bizarre and threatening to jump in front of a train, in quotation. So whoever's reading that notes that is exactly word for word what the patient's sister stated. Or patient stated that she was being attacked by purple people eaters. In direct quotes, make sure they're noted. We're not summarizing. That's exactly what that patient told us. Medical abbreviations. If we're going to use medical abbreviations, make sure that we're only using universally accepted abbreviations or those that have been approved by your EMS system. You're going to be mastering medical terminology and abbreviations your entire career. And there is a table 401 and 42 in your textbook that does have some universally accepted medical abbreviations. Don't make up your own medical abbreviations. If you're not sure what the abbreviation is for whatever word it is, either don't use it or look up the abbreviation. So an example of how abbreviations can be very beneficial. These two paragraphs are the saying the exact same thing. One of them is quite a bit longer than the other one. So the top one, 48-year-old male or man is alert, well-warranted with the chief complaint of severe chest pain, trouble breathing. He has a history of congestive heart failure. He took two nitro without relief today. He is prescribed Lasix twice daily, and he has no known drug allergy. Again, the second paragraph says the exact same thing, just using abbreviations. So 48Y-O, year old, capital M is male, is alert and oriented times four. C-O is complaining of, CP is chest pain, SOB is son of a, I mean, shortness of breath. PT is patient, has HX history, CHF, congestive heart failure. 2-nitro NTG without relief has RX prescription for Lasix BID twice daily. ND, NKDA is no known drug allergy. So again, use abbreviations by all means. I use them as much as I can. It's going to shorten how much you have to type. But again, just make sure you know what they stand for and you're using approved abbreviations. <clears throat> More legal concerns when we're dealing with documentation. Confidentiality is going to be a big one. We have to make sure that we're protecting this run report to maintain patient confidentiality. Distribution, we're going to talk about these individually as well, but we need to make sure whoever is entitled to that run report gets a hold or a copy of that run report. Refusal of treatments oftentimes is a specialized report. Falsification of documentation. Again, this is a legal document, can be criminal acts, transfer of care reports, mass casualty incidents where we are having to take care of 20 patients all at one time. And again, special reports that may be required in certain situations as well. So confidentiality, PCR, contains information that is confidential, and again, which cannot be shared with unauthorized individuals. 
And again, who gets copies of this is all governed by HIPAA. Who's entitled to a copy of that run report versus who isn't is all governed by HIPAA. For us, we just got to be careful of where we leave reports laying around. If your service wants you to print out your reports after you get done typing, or if we are using handwritten reports, you have an obligation to keep that hidden. You can't leave it laying on your dash with your truck unlocked for anybody walking by to look at it or open your door and steal it. So again, that's just something to keep in mind. Most services, a lot of services don't even give their crew members the ability to print their own run reports for that reason. They don't want to have to worry about confidentiality issues. Distribution of this, of the run reports of patient information. Specific instances in which a PCR information can be distributed include, again, to the ED. We have to drop off or give the hospital staff a copy of our run report. Again, Texas code requires a full run report has to be turned into this hospital within 24 hours of us dropping the patient off at it. Documentation, if we're doing any type of CQI, we can look at run reports. Medical oversight, your medical director or his designee has the right to any and all medical patient care reports that they want to look at. That has to do with medical oversight. And again, billing is the same. They have access to our run reports in order to bill appropriately. Police when needed for an investigation, again, for us, that's only with a subpoena. Any other time we are presented with a court-ordered subpoena, we have to abide by it and give them a copy of that run report. Uh, most commonly, service, EMS services get subpoenas all the time. It's not, not normally they're the main or the number one reason why we get subpoenas is not criminal. It's insurance companies fighting over a car wreck. Somebody's trying to sue somebody else's insurance company for injury, so they're wanting a copy of our run report, so we get those subpoenas all the time. Patient refusals. Legal issues arise when a patient refuses care. And again, like we previously stated, patient refusals are one of the most common type of calls in which EMS services and EMTs are sued. Again, this means we have to be very cautious of when we're documenting these refusals. Make sure that we are establishing mental capacity and we're documenting how we establish that mental capacity. If we contacted medical direction for assistance, make sure we document that, name the physician, name the and document the advice or what he told us or ordered us to do. We need to, again, try to persuade or talk the patient into going to the hospital, and we need to make sure that we're documenting that we attempted to persuade the patient to go to the hospital. And again, we have to inform the patient of consequences of refusing care. And again, it is not enough to state in our run report, at least, we cannot state that we explained the risks and complications of refusing care to the patient. The patient stated he understood those risks and refused. That is not detailed enough. We need to document the specific risks that we stated. Crew stated the patient could be potentially having a heart attack. Say that if he doesn't seek medical care, that heart attack could worsen, could permanently damage his heart, and could possibly lead to death. It needs to be very detailed in our documentation. Again, complete documentation is must. 
Following information needs to be documented if the patient refused any or all assessment treatment offered. Patient refused to allow us to take him to the hospital, but he allowed us to at least set, assess him and take his vital signs on scene. Again, we need to document that. Or he completely refused us any access to him. Needs to be documented. Again, the mental status, patient's mental status in making decisions, we have to prove that in our opinion, the patient had the capacity to refuse. Have the patient sign the form. We typically always want to get a witness. Even if the patient does sign, we still want a witness. Again, that's kind of based on your SOPs, local area. Law enforcement makes the best witness. If law enforcement's not on scene, another first responder from a different organization makes good witnesses. So if I'm on scene with the fire department, get a firefighter to sign. Patient's family, not the best witnesses because who's back they're going to have if this does go to court, they're going to lie. Uh, and have the patient back. Your partner is the worst witness to have because there's going to be an assumption that, yeah, your partner is going to lie for me and just, again, in order to try to protect me and him at the same time. So your partner should be your last ditch effort for a witness. Again, just a blown up copy of that run report, that refusal. Again, patients for signatures, witnesses, so forth. Falsifications of PCR information. The biggest reason why we should not falsify run reports, care reports, is it could potentially compromise patient care. Kind of that situation we talked about earlier. We forgot to check the blood sugar in this patient, so we lied, say we did, and just made up a number. Hospital may look at a run report and say, well, they already checked the sugar. It wasn't the sugar, so we're not going to check it again. Now, realistically, they're going to check it again. But I'm just saying, certain situations that could potentially compromise patient care. So never lie. So in that case, if we know we made a mistake and we know we screwed up and and still just take take the licks and take 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 the butt chewing and go on with it. For sure. So same situation. I'm not going to document. I probably won't in my document state crew forgot to check a blood sugar on this patient, but I'm not going to mention that I took a blood sugar. I'm just going to leave that situation, that section blank. As soon as that's over with, I'm probably getting on the phone with my FTO, my supervisor saying, hey man, I, I jacked up. Don't know what it was at the hospital. I forgot to check the blood sugar. Just give me a heads up. Get in front of it best you can, but yeah, don't lie on your own report. Just take the licks. And again, the cover-up is going to be worse. You lie, you're in much more trouble than making an honest mistake. Can lead to loss of licensure, possibly criminal charges. Again, they can prove you lied on your documentation. That's a criminal offense, potentially. And at the very least, Texas Department of State Health Services can uh, pull your certification very easily over that. Mistakes or omissions must be corrected to fix and fixed as soon as possible. Say I'm documenting my report and I just honestly, I did something, but I forgot to document it. Or I documented a mistake, something that was wrong on my report. An example, this happened to me. Uh, my second ever traumatic cardiac arrest happened 15 minutes after my first traumatic cardiac arrest. That was a hell of a night. But my patient was the passenger of a car that was Tebow. I accidentally put that the patient was the driver of the vehicle. I didn't catch it. My FTO didn't catch it. The medical examiner caught the, the mistake. 
So as soon as it came back to me, I had to write an addendum to my report to reflect the accurate information. So again, certain situations, we may make a mistake. There is ways to correct it. It just needs to be corrected appropriately following protocol. If we mistakes or omissions, again, must be corrected and fixed as soon as possible. And that corrected version must be distributed. Again, I already submitted my report. The hospital already received a report saying that my patient was the passenger in that vehicle. After I corrected it or wrote that addendum to it, we had to send the hospital that corrected version with the addendum stating that I made a mistake. The patient was actually the driver, not the passenger. If we are using handwritten reports, if we make a typo or we accidentally, in this case, they started to say left when it was actually the right, there's a proper way to scratch out words in a handwritten report. The way we scratch it out is one single line. You don't black it out. We want whoever's reading that report should be able to see what the word we initially started to write was. One single line through it, and then we initial above it. Some Sometimes may put the date or time of that mistake as well. Again, we just want it clear that it was us that made this mistake and it was me editing my own report. Transfer of care, when we hand over care to our hospital or to another EMS agency or provider, use when it is not possible to complete the full PCR and obtain signatures before leaving the facility. So if I go on a cardiac arrest that we transport, it's gonna take me a good 20, 30 minutes probably to write the, the PCR for a bad call, cardiac arrest. I'm not gonna be able to stay out of service sitting at the hospital while I type that report. So instead, we're going to give them a drop sheet or a short form that's just basically stating the highlights with the understanding that later on, when I have time to complete that report, I'm going to send that full report to the hospital. The type of special transfer of care form may be used, might include just patient information, chief complaint, uh, vital signs, and the treatment that we provided. And again, these are commonly referred to as a short form or a drop form. Again, it's just a temporary, here's the highlights of what happened, and I'll get you a full report as soon as it's ready. Question on the reports. <clears throat> are we expected during our off time to complete reports or are we given time on duty in our practice to do our reports? So you, if you are not actively on a call, the expectation is that you, if you have called or reports, waiting, you're supposed to be writing your report. You cannot call out a service or you're no, not available to run a call simply because you're documenting a report. So if we're extremely busy, then you may be down by the end of your shift three or four reports. UMC EMS's policy is you do not leave your shift until all of your reports are written. So you may run your last call 30 minutes before you got off, but you're spending two additional hours after shift ends finishing your report finishing report. Again, in every service may be a little bit different than that. UMC is pretty strict on that policy. And if you leave your shift before finishing a report, that's technically a fireable offense on their end as well. So these transfer of care reports normally has a place for a nurse or a physician to sign, saying that the patient has a report, stating the patient and a report has been received. Typically, we get the nurses to sign this. 
But again, a full PCR must be submitted as soon as we are done. UMCMF, I use this as an example, that's who y'all are writing out with. They have it set up in their system that as soon as I cl click submit on my report and then send it back to the server, it automatically faxes that report to a server at UMC. So it's instantaneous. As soon as I complete it, it automatically sends a copy to the hospital. Other ones, you may have to go back up there to deliver. Again, everybody may be a little bit different. Multiple casualty incidents or MCIs. Due to the nature of these incidences, full documents documentation is going to be a significant challenge. So we're, we got deployed. We're working down at the coast for a hurricane. I'm working on the ambush. I have four or five patients all by myself. And as soon as I drop these patients off, we have to turn around and go back and get another group of patients. So we have a lot of patients stacking up, not enough time to write these documentations. Full documentation commonly occurs at a much later time. Same situation for Hurricane Harvey. I got deployed down there. It was two months after we got back from that deployment before I had to write those reports, before I could write those reports. Due to the treating multiple patients, memory may be skewed. Yeah, I couldn't remember anything about any of those patients. So note-taking is going to be very important. I wrote handwritten reports on all of them and kept those until it was time to fill out the full electronic PCR. Other things like triage tags, those are, can be very useful about communicating patient information and then using those, that information off a triage tag to help you remember and write those reports later on. Special reports may be required in search, certain situations. A different type of report may have to be written or in a, on a top of our normal report. Suspected child or elderly abuse. Again, if we notice abuse, child suspected, child abuse or elderly abuse, we are legally obligated to report that to the law enforcement typically and to CPS or APS personally as well. Again, there may be an online form that we do or maybe a verbal form that we do. If we had an infectious disease exposure, any type of exposure, nerdy, nerdy, dirty needle sticks and so forth, there's a special form that has to be documented. Anytime we get injured on a call or on shift, there's gonna be some type of injury report that's gonna to have to be filed out, filled out. Situations requiring additional documentation or notification of other agencies. If we request tornado rips through Lubbock and we have to call for help from the surrounding areas outside of Lubbock County, there's probably some paperwork that's gonna to have to be filled out while we request those additional resources. And again, Based on whatever agency you're working for, you need to be familiar with those type of requirements. If you do get a dirty needle stick, where can I find the form that I need to fill out? If I hurt my back lifting and moving a patient, how do I follow that injury report and so forth? So documentation methods, things or ways that we can document our report. There's three common formats for narrative documentation that we may be used. EMS services may let you document however you want to document as long as you fill it out uh, fully. Other agencies may document or may mandate that you document in a very specific format as well. 
the, the three mnemonics that are listed in the book are the soap format, the chart format, and the cheated format. And we'll talk about them individually. So the SOAP format is probably the most common in this area. So we document different parts of our narrative in different kind of subsections. So the S stands for our subjective information. So we write all of the subjective information, what the patient tells us in one spot. Then after the subjective, we move into the O, which is the objective information, data that help you derive through inspection, palpation, auscultation, diagnostic, diagnostic test, diagnostic test. So everything that we see with our own eyes, that gets documented under the objective section. The assessment is our field impression, field diagnosis, general idea, condition, what we think is going on with the patient. And the, plea, the P is plan, and this is our treatment. The plan of action, how we treated our patient. So again, that's one format that you may use is the SOAP format, subjective, objective, assessment, and plan. SOAPY is just a variation of SOAP. Again, subjective, objective, assessment, plan. The I is interventions, more specifically dealing with each individual treatment, response to treatments is the E, evaluation, patient's response treatment. Chart, the C is chief complaint, why the patient called 911 and what's the main thing going on with them today, chest pain, shortness of breath. H is history, medical history, including sample history. A is assessment. Rx is what the R stands for, which is the abbreviation for uh, prescription or treatments that we provide. And transport, any changes throughout the patient care during the patient, during transport. Cheated, chief complaint, history, exam information, assessment findings, treatment, evaluation, and disposition for transfer of care. Patient was transported to UMC 29 and one, patient was wheeled into room one, Full left room stretcher to hospital bed, patient care was left, left with RN, whoever. Again, your service may allow you to pick or they may force you to write in a certain format. Most ePCRs are already laid out or kind of designed in like a SOAP format. So it, it's easy to follow the SOAP format because the run report kind of prompts you to do so. Another type is a chronological documentation method, tells a story in the order of occurrence. So in this, instead of dividing every little subsection up, we're just gonna start telling the story, how it happened, as it happened from start to finish. Normally it begins with something like a ride to find or called the scene for chest pain. Upon arrival, find the patient sitting in the bed. Patient was alert, oriented time four, complaining of chest pain. Patient stated, we saw this is the treatment we provided, loaded the patient, transported. We're just telling the story from start to finish. 
one of the good things about chronological documentation for the reader, they're pretty easy to read. They're not having to jump and back and forth and page to page to try to get the information that they're wanting to find. However, since we're not dividing every section, you need to make sure that all of your SOAP format, your cheated chart, whatever, is all in that one section. Everything needs to be completely fully documented. When we go to clinicals and have to start documenting, which one will we use or do we get to choose? Whichever which Becky indicates or dictates for you. I, I believe she prefers soap, but I think she pretty much leaves it open to you. I'm not 100% sure about that. So the four A's of a good narrative, things that we need to keep in mind when we're writing our run report. They should show appreciation of the circumstances. Based on them reading our reports, whoever's reading that can appreciate what we saw, that we understood what was going on, we fully explained the scene and so forth. Making sure that we document a good thorough assessment of the patient. That we had awareness of the protocol, that we used the correct protocol based on patient presentation, so forth, and the application of the technique as well, that we followed that protocol appropriately. And most EPCRs have a drop-down menu that we have to specifically pick which protocol we use from our protocol book. Again, just an example of those four A's kind of in a flow chart. Again, the cardinal rule of report writing. If it was not written down, it was not done. I've had to testify, only actually testify in a court of law one time. I've been subpoenaed on, a, on three or four calls that ended up cleaning out. But that call that I had to testify on was a capital murder trial that did not, the trial did not occur until about two years after the report. Our, it was a pretty interesting call, so I remember quite a bit of it, but specifics I couldn't remember. So the only thing that I could rely on for my testimony was my care report. So, if, and again, if the assumption is going to be if it wasn't written down at the time, then you did not perform it. So again, make sure you document everything. Conclusion. PCR serves several purposes in the EMS system, the emergency department, Good documentation should be accurate, concise, complete, and clear. Again, just exercise caution in those special reporting situations. Make sure you know your policies and procedures, what's required of you. And never falsify a report. If we do make mistakes, correct the mistakes promptly, correctly. And, and resend out or redistribute those reports to those people that need it. All right, any questions over chapter four?